Miami was able to keep pace with one of the best teams at the Western Conference, at least for the half the game. But eventually, the youth, size, and talent of the Oklahoma City Thunder proved to be more than the Heat could handle. A tough loss, gritty effort, but we break down what went wrong in the second half for Miami, the struggles of Tyler Hero, Josh Richardson, and Duncan Robinson, and if yet another potential starting lineup was revealed on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor at AllYouCanEat.com. Joining me is NBA longtime reporter David Ramil. However you're tuning in, YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app, thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, recording this from Kaseya Center on Wednesday night, where we just saw the Heat lose to the Thunder, 128 to 120 i'd say 96 percent of this game david was competitive yeah until basically a third quarter run that miami eventually came back from and then a fourth quarter run by the thunder that miami eventually came back from and then the heat go on their own run um but it just wasn't enough at that point they came back from 15 points down i believe it was uh to cut the lead to a two possession game uh we'll get to tyler hero's shot there at the end and whether or not it was a good shot or a bad shot or what he said actually happened there but the thunder pull away with the win. Um, no Jimmy Butler, no Caleb Martin, no Kyle Lowry for the Heat. Uh, Bam Adebayo led Miami with 25 points. Jaime Hakez had 21. Haywood Highsmith set a career high with 19 points. The Thunder were led by Shea Gilgis-Alexander's 28 points and Chet Holmgren, who finished with 23 points, nine rebounds, and three blocks. Uh, David, the Heat led by as many as 10 mm-hmm. in this first half. They were down by just three at the start of the fourth quarter. Why'd they lose this game? <laughs> I think it was the sheer talent disparity between the heat and the thunder to be honest with you you see when you have a player like Shea gilgis alexander who is for heat fans that don't get to watch the thunder very frequently he is a top three player in the nba right now he is heavily in the mvp discussion and we saw tonight why that was the case because he was just able to get his shots whenever they wanted when you combine that with a promising young player in chet holmgren who was able to really make his impact defensively and late in the game offensively especially in that third and fourth quarter I think you could see exactly what Miami was trying to do. They were just trying to come back from behind constantly. They were getting these unexpected contributions from guys like Highsmith and everybody else. And then all of a sudden, the Thunder just said, oh, wait a minute. We realized we can kind of outclass this team pretty easily, and they were able to get to their shots, yeah. their spots much more easily in the second half. I think they were kind of off balance. You and I were talking before the game. This is the fourth game and a four-game road trip for them. They've got a back-to-back they're going to fly into Oklahoma City for another game tomorrow night. So maybe that was on their mind as well. They looked a little sluggish in the first half. Eric Spolster talked about that in the first game. and I'm sorry, in the press conference afterwards, that in the first half, Miami looked like they were had their energy, their flow to their offense. And then later in the game, the Thunder kind of took that away from them and established their own identity. And Miami just couldn't compensate. The Thunder shot 60% in the game. That's that's a big part of it. If you <laughs> they get a couldn't identity, miss. Yeah. They yeah. started making every shot. They ended making every shot. That's a really good Thunder team. They're 25-11 and 11 this year. I think it's the third best record in the NBA. That team is a legitimate title contender. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a legitimate MVP candidate. And they looked like it tonight. The Heat scored 120 points for the second straight game. It was enough against Houston, who's a good team, but not as good as Oklahoma City, yeah. who are a very, very good team. So much of the statistical profile on both of these teams is very similar. 
where both of these teams do a good job getting to the free throw line. They do a good job making shots from the mid range. They're both among the top three or four teams in the league in three point shooting percentage. Oklahoma City tonight, 42.4% on their threes. Miami, 41.7% on their threes. Oklahoma City made 14 total. Miami made 15 total. So these teams had it going from range. The difference is that the Thunder are a bit bigger defensively, so their rim defense is a little bit better. Their fast break offense is much better. Oklahoma City does a ton of damage in transition. Kind of, again, the opposite of the Houston team. Houston has the number one rated transition defense in the league. Oklahoma City is right there at the top of the league in terms of transition offense. So it's kind of been like a a crash course on, on transition play for this week for the Heat. Um, I thought they did an okay job of that in the first half, but then they started missing some shots. They missed their first six three-pointers to start the fourth quarter. Yeah. And the Thunder at that point went on a 13-0 run. And Spo, after the game, kept pointing to the beginning of the third quarter as when sort of the wheels came off. I I, I don't mean to disagree with Eric Spolstra. He just signed a huge extension. He probably knows more than I do about basketball. Possible. But it's possible. they got their way back into the game. Like I said, they were only down three to start the fourth quarter, but then they missed their first six three-point attempts to start the fourth quarter. They made a couple of runs later in that fourth quarter, but it just felt like at that point maybe it was too little too late. And so they missed those threes. The Thunder got out and ran off those misses. They scored a bunch of points on the break. And so, boom, the Thunder's transition offense showed up after not being there in the first half, and they won the game. I kind of see Spo's point, though. I think that 13-0 run in the start to third really kind of just took the, the wind out of Miami's sails. Like, again, it, it seemed like they were content with their, their effort in the first half. They had that 10-point lead in the first half. The Thunder kind of came back, and then Miami was kind of just saying – sort of the prevent defense, right? They were just kind of trying to hold off the Thunder for as long as possible and see if they could stretch it out and then maybe build on that in the second half. Spo mentioned the fact that halftime kind of took all their energy out of it and whatever momentum they had built up over the first half. And then from that point, again, the Thunder seemed to really just find their own pattern, their own rhythm, and they were very, very effective in doing so. Miami shot terribly in the second half. They shot 33% overall, mm. 35% from three. So that's a big part of it. Their offense just seemed discombobulated. They weren't able to get defensive stops, which ignites their offense. They were really good. They matched the Thunder in, in fast break opportunities and points. Unfortunately for Miami, it just wasn't enough because their three-point shooting kind of abandoned them in the second half. So I think that was a big part of it too. So there was just a really disparate game in terms of the first and second half for Miami. They had a good rhythm, and then they did yeah. not. Those pockets of the fourth quarter, I, I did think that the Heat gave themselves a shot in this game. So they go down, they, yes. they start the fourth quarter down three. The Thunder go on that big run. They go up by 15 points. Bam and Jaime in the final four minutes on their own go on a 10 0 run yep. on their own. Uh, cut the six, I'm sorry, it was a 16 point lead. It was a 16 point lead that the Thunder had. They cut that, run, that lead down to six. So you get a two possession game with about a minute left. They get a stop. They pass it out to Tyler Hero uh, and, and on, on sort of the fast break. And yeah. Hero passes it back to, I think, Haywood was, it, was it Haywood? Yeah. Haywood kind of goes into a dribble handoff with him. And then Tyler Hero gets the ball, kind of leans away get uh, to, for the three-point uh, attempt that could have cut it to a one-possession game yep. at that point. About a minute six, left yeah, in the game. Down three. Um, Tyler kind of made a motion to the referee like he got hit on the elbow. He was asked about it after the game. He thought he had gotten fouled. What did you think about that shot at the end? I thought it was a bad shot. I really did. I think the first opportunity he had, he, he was in, it was in somebody's transition, as you mentioned, <coughs> off a miss on the other end by, I want to say, Holmgren. I think it was Chet, yeah. So he missed the shot on one end. Tyler comes down with the ball in his hands, and all of a sudden there's a closeout from Josh Giddy. He can get that shot over Giddy. 
Yeah. I don't see why he did it. We've seen him take these the shots. The first look was better than the second look. Yes, and then for whatever reason, he sees Giddy closing out with time expiring in the game, kicks it to uh, Haysmith, who, I mean, uh, he had a great game, and maybe that's a good opportunity for him to knock down that shot, but he was defended well as well. So there was an opportunity there that was kind of blown. Haywood winds up passing it back to, to Tyler, and then he takes a much more contested I was... shot. I know, I know what he's thinking. But you can't expect the foul call to come in that right. situation, especially yeah. if you're falling away. That's not the that's not the way to sell the call. You made this point about Tyler in the past. It's not that he doesn't get contact, but he's not great at selling it. Yeah. And the refs are just not going to call that. If you're if you're fading away, you're just not calling it. You got to keep your you got to keep your base number one so that you can maybe get that call right. where the defender puts his legs under you. If you're moving your own legs, if you're moving your base, you're never going to get that call. And and they might not see the elbow touch, right? And so. Yeah, I was okay with not taking the first shot, although I'm, I, I thought it was a good look, but there was enough time left where he didn't have to take it. You give it to Highsmith, you go into a dribble uh, pick, uh, dribble handoff or a pick and roll or whatever it flows into. In that instance, it flowed into a DHO. But I thought you could have just taken the defender off the dribble there. You had plenty of time. Get a two-pointer. Go for the layup. Never, there was nobody behind him. He's never going to take that shot. And the Heat in general just don't really do it. Jimmy even takes threes in these, in these situations. So I, I'm fine with going for the tie, but... Um, I didn't love the shot. I didn't love the falling away three-pointer. It wasn't a great shot. He misses it. Chet Holmgren uh, gets the rebound, brings it down to the other end, hits a layup. That's a that's that's what that's a five-point swing almost. So, uh, and that at that point the game was over. So to your point there, if he takes that first shot with Giddy defending him, Highsmith I think has a better opportunity of collecting the rebound. Fair. And, and then maybe, maybe getting another look there and kind yeah. of kicking it before back the rest of Oklahoma City's defense gets back. Exactly. Um, how much blame pie does Tyler Hero deserve for that shot for this game? Plus, we'll have some more blame pie to hand out. That's coming up next here on Locked On Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Look, it's not you versus anybody else. It's just you versus the numbers including, you know, you don't have to worry about pros or sharks. You don't have to bet against thousands of other people. It's just you versus the numbers. You pick more or than or less than two to six player strat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season here in full swing, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey and a 10.5 combo, three-pointers made, and receptions, so many different opportunities there. Again, prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA. Use the code LockdownNBA, and you get a first deposit match of up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA, and make sure to use the code LockdownNBA. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Uh, it's not another Heat win, so it means it's not time for the tastiest segment. Of locked on heat. Unfortunately, we have to hand out some blame pie uh, tonight, David. Let's just start right away with Tyler Hero. If we have ten slices of blame pie, how much does he deserve? I, I again, I, I think he was a little inefficient. Seven of twenty-one, thirty-three percent, obviously, and uh, one of five on threes. Yeah, not a great uh, in terms of efficiency, but productive. Um, I'm going to give him two slices. I think that's fair. I don't think he deserves the kind of criticism. I, I know the shot. It was a bad one, and again, it looked ugly, especially on TV. And I think for a lot of fans that have seen Jimmy take bad shots like that in the past, they might be, you know, suffering from a little trauma there, and, and kind of, kind of combining those images in their head of bad shot taking, especially yeah. when a game's that close, and you're you're able to make a comeback, and it just falls short because of that shot selection. 
it was not a great night for him. So I, I'm comfortable with two slices. If you want to, go. If, if it's two just for the shot, I'm okay with it. I don't know that he deserves blame for a whole lot else there. Like the shooting numbers weren't very efficient from two point range, though he was much better. You know, if you consider that he went one for five from three point range, I thought his two points were good. And look, with no Kyle Lowry in this game, he was basically the point guard in this yeah. game. And the Heat roll out of a starting lineup of Tyler Hero, Haywood Highsmith, Jaime Hakas Jr., Nikola Jovic, and Bam Adebayo, which puts Hero in that point guard spot. I thought he did a really good job, especially in the first half, of taking it seriously. Like, he was like, okay, I'm the point guard. And there was a lot of pick and roll between him and Bam Adebayo. They basically ran that for 60% of their offense, it feels like, in, uh, in the game, at least. I mean, he did a good job of getting into the paint and and collapsing the defense and kicking out the teammates. He had only six assists in this game. And I say only because it felt like he could have easily had 12, right? But because, you know, his pass would lead to a, a swing pass here and there, he wasn't getting credit for those assists. But trust me when I say he was in charge of all, even responsible for a lot of that flow that Miami's offense had in that first half. So I hesitate to give him any blame pie, mm. honestly, because I think the, they're a big, the big reason the Heat were in this game against a better team was because of Tyler Hero. But if we want to give him a slice or two because of the shot at the end, which I agree was not the best look from him, uh, then I'm okay with that too. So I think that's fair. Other than that, I think Josh Richardson should probably get some for his defensive effort. Uh, he was struggling to contain anybody out on the perimeter. Um, and I know he wasn't great on offense, but he was good enough. So I don't think that's necessarily the concern. The plus minus numbers don't reflect well on Josh. Uh, and again, I think the point of attack defense was probably the biggest weakness in his game tonight. So I'm going three on that. Yeah, that's fair. He was a team worst minus 19, and it didn't help that Haywood Highsmith's defense on Shea Gilgis Alexander was pretty good. Yeah. And uh, like Shea was still productive because he's always going to be productive, but you, he bothered him. Like he played good defense. Right. Josh Richardson did not bother him and Too did not gambling. play good defense. But that was the, but he was he, I wonder if he was gambling because he knew he had no shot one on one. And he was like, all right, well, I have no shot one-on-one against this guy, so let me just try to take the possession away instead of trying to end no, it with a stop. See, but the, the, What was working well for Miami defensively, especially in the first half, was you had a body on him. And then if you're able to at least kind of veer your body, and I'm using the camera here so now that we're standing up, you kind of put a body in front of a, a, a ball handler and kind of shift him towards some a backline help defender, you know, whoever right. that might be. Whether it was Nico Jovic, who looked great on some spots. Duncan Robinson had a couple opportunities defensively as well. It didn't work out that way with with Josh just making a game. Duncan like stand up Chet at one point. Yes, he did. Yeah, and so that's what I'm saying. It's like without he wasn't playing within the flow yeah. of the defense because he was just trying to force a turnover. And by that point, then you're in, past an initial defender. If Josh is stuck out on the perimeter, and then Shea's able to drive past him, hit a mid range jumper, or get to the rim. Even it wasn't a good game. For no, him. it was not. And uh, two for five from three point range wasn't awesome either. Um, yep, I'm, I'm with you. And, and it, it sucks that the Heat are dealing with the injuries that they're dealing with because I don't think that ideally Josh Richardson would be the second defender against Shea, right? If Highsmith is your starting one, I think they'd prefer to go with a Caleb Martin or even a Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter, but they didn't have those guys available, obviously. So that's where they were. Um, who else? I think Dougie Robinson should get some. I think uh, his shot uh, wasn't falling. I asked Eric Spolster about it after the game. He didn't really point out anything specifically about why Duncan has struggled. But, I mean, I think he's had a couple of games consecutively where he's been uh, a little tough from the field. Just one of seven from three-point range. Uh, wasn't able to get to the rim. Credit Oklahoma City's defense. And, I, look, I, I think we should add that. I and mean, you mentioned it earlier in the first segment. They are a great team. I mean, there's a reason why their record is. There's only um, – I'm sorry to cut you off, but to your point, there's only four teams in the league with a top 10 offensive rating and a top 10 defensive rating. It's them, Oklahoma yeah. City, yeah. Denver, 
Boston and the there's another team. The Clippers, Clippers, the Clippers I think it is the Clippers. Now with these are all, and I say all, including Oklahoma City, contending teams. That oh, in Denver, did I say Denver? Yes, you did. Okay, yeah, yeah. These are that's the championship class. That's the contender class. The Thunder are, are firmly in that. So yeah. to your point, no, no, yeah. So I think that was a big part of it too. So he, he just wasn't able to show that versatility that we've gotten so used to him. Hardly any assist for him. I can't see exactly what he. Yeah, one assist for, for the game. One. He just yeah. he wasn't. He just wasn't within the same kind of rhythm. Uh, none of that kind of ego that we've seen from him. The confidence. I don't know if something's happened. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's kind of nursing something. Or again, just credit Oklahoma City's defense. He for missed a very wide well. open jumper though in the corner, in in their own corner, not the hot corner, in front of his own bench during Miami's run that would have lifted the roof off this place, and he missed it. And I was like, yeah, that's just sort of the kind of night. So yeah, credit Oklahoma City's defense a bit, but I thought he missed some open ones in this game too. He is now, we have a question, like double Jeopardy style. We're getting to our listener questions later, but we'll do one right now. Ryan writes in, what are your thoughts on Duncan's current shooting slump? Over the last four games, Duncan has missed, uh, Duncan has made eight of 35 of his three-pointers over the last four games. That's 22.8%. That's not good. My thoughts on it? Whatever. I'm not worried. Shooters shoot. Shooters also go through slumps. I'm not that concerned about the, the shooting slump. He's an awesome shooter. He will be an awesome shooter. He'll bounce back from it. I'm really not that concerned. My problem, my problem again tonight, not necessarily looking at that four-game sample size, is the fact that he wasn't able to do much else. Like, Fair. There wasn't any kind of opportunity for him to get to the rim. And again, credit Holmgren. I think he did a fantastic job as the kind of Rudy Gobert-esque linchpin of that defense, where whatever any, anybody was in the paint, it was just, oh, no. I can't get this shot off. I can't. I mean, they were looking off and trying to make a pass out to somebody else in the perimeter. They just couldn't attack the paint. And that's why I actually also have Blaine Pie for Bam and Abayo because I think he was not, despite his overall production and late game heroics, I think early on he could have been much more aggressive than he was. And the Thunder had 60 points in the paint. And it's tough, again, when you're down a couple of your better defenders and Jimmy and Caleb and, and obviously Kyle Lowry being out there as an organizer on offense and defense. But Bam's got to be better. You're right. I mean, he was nine for 16 overall. He got to the free throw line seven times, made all seven of his free throw shots. That's a good sign. A lot of that was in the second half, but a lot of that was in the second half. You're right. He could have been a little bit better in that first half. So, um, yeah, some definitely some blame to go around in this one. Um, Overall, I still walk away from this kind of feeling good about the heat. Mm. Is that no? I could see it. I think there is some optimism about it. But I think ultimately the game was there for the taking, and especially with the late game shots falling for Miami and then until they did it. And then, of course, the fact that they gave up that early run in the third quarter, there was enough there. I mean, they need to fix their defense. That's the thing. And that's the thing Spolster talked about after the game was that they're going to fix it. They're going to fix it. And when Spolster starts doing that, you know, it's a real problem when he just starts saying we're going to fix this. Yeah, I'm surprised I- they're not practicing tomorrow. That's usually followed by an intense two and a half hour practice. <laughs> right. Um, I wonder if it's something schematic. I wonder if it's just personnel based and they know it. I don't, if it's just injury based, I know that they always say publicly we have enough, but at some point injuries do matter, sure. but um, they do need to fix it. They do need to fix it because the thunder are really good, but they're not shoot 60% for the entire <laughs> game. Good. Because that would be literally the greatest uh, offense of all time. Uh, so there it is. Um, all right. We get to our listener questions next, including one of my positive takeaways, which is, mostly about the starting lineup and some more Nikola Jovic highlights. We do that next year on Lockdown Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Look, I know that when it comes to sports, that's an escape for a lot of people from the realities of real life. But if we can, let's just talk a little bit 
about preparing for real life because according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. It's scary, but I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if my son or anybody that you couldn't get to a, a supply chain issue might keep them from getting a life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and among many others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to Jace Medical, that's J-A-S-E medical.com, and use the offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Every day is tune in tomorrow when we're joined by our friend Rohan Nadkarni from Sports Illustrated to talk about Eric Spolster's extension and some trade chatter uh, from the week. But for now... Let's move on to our listener questions. Thanks to everybody who sent in those questions using that hashtag, AskLOHeat. You can email us, LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Also, make sure you follow us on Instagram, LockedOnHeat on Instagram as well. Let's get to this question from Kyle who writes in, in the long term, isn't this a great game for Miami's young guys? They played a legit Thunder team well outside of those 13-0 runs. Um, I think it was Jaime and Jovic in the starting lineup. Jovic just continues to play well. Jaime was one of the most important offensive factors in this game, especially in that fourth quarter. I mentioned the 10-0 run that he and Bam Adebayo fueled. Um, I want to ask you a question. Hmm. Better Nikola Jovic play from this game. Okay, I'm going to give you two different plays. So Jovic drives baseline against Chet Holmgren, gets into the paint, kicks out to Josh Richardson for a three, then comes back, gets a stop on defense, goes back to the other end, and drains a three. This one assisted by Josh Richardson, who did the, uh, returned him the favor. Uh, and the Heat went up 53-44 to 44 at that point in the first half. So that's your first play. Do you remember that one? Yes, I do. Okay, that's yeah. the first play. Yeah. Second play. Um, rebounds the ball off of a defensive stop, runs the floor, kicks out to Jaime Hakez Jr. for an open three. And that one cut the deficit from eight, uh, to 86-85. to 85. So the deficit goes to one after a long uh, thunder run. Do you remember that play? I do. Which one was your favorite? I think the the first one. Yeah. I think the first one. But I think the second one, though, really offers a glimpse of what his strengths are going to be moving forward. Like, offensively, he's just so polished. There were stretches there where I kind of found myself thinking, why is he on the bench? Like, they kind of need his offense to jumpstart this team. And I know that's ridiculous. He played 32 minutes tonight. But he, he, was, he was really good. Like, <laughs> yeah. the transition, like, his... His decision-making, I think you pointed this out in the last game against the Rockets, his ability to make these snap decisions off yeah. the rebound have increased so exponentially from where they were at the start of the season. And I think his tenure in South, uh, Sioux Falls has really helped him measurably. And it's just a matter of bang, bang. He gets that rebound. No hesitation. No hesitation whatsoever. Even Bam, as great as he is, is bringing the ball up and igniting offense. Kind of takes a second to survey the offense. Kevin Love is always looking for that, you know, long touchdown pass. But with Nico, it's like, nope, I got the ball. I'm going. And he goes at 100 Bam miles an hour. grabs the rebound, and he has this, like, side-behind dribble that he'll take that. And like you right. said, he'll scan the floor very Kevin Love style. Nico doesn't ever dribble no. to the side. Head it's down. always right in front, head down, sprinting full court. <laughs> I love it. I And when you said that's kind of what Nikola Jovic can bring them, that's literally what I have written yeah. down. That's what Nikola Jovic brings. That is what Nikola Jovic brings. I love that second play as sort of uh, uh, sort of a, a, a reflection of Snapshot, what it is that yeah. he brings yeah. to the table. But 
my jaw was on the floor when he drove by Chet Holmgren, who is not only the rookie of the year favorite, but maybe like a defensive player of the year candidate. According to FanDuel, his odds are right there with Bam. He might be an all-star candidate in the Western (laughs) Conference. Like this dude is legitimately good. And Jovic gets the ball. And this is not, he's like almost better in the full court. He gets the ball in the corner. And I'm like, well, what's he going to do now? Your Chet Holmgren's right in front of you. You kind of going to pass this away, right? Nope. He's like, I'm just going to go straight into Chet Holmgren's chest. He kind of puts that, he he leans down, kind of tries to get into the paint. Got away with a little bit of a hook there, but we're not going to talk about that. Oklahoma, like Lockdown Thunder can complain about that. And then instead of just forcing up a shot, has the, 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 the floor vision to see Josh Richardson sort of floating up and passes it to him wide open three. It was the best play of Josh Richardson's game. And so I, I, that's the one that was so impressive to me because it was so unexpected. So I thought it was a great Jovich game, just in a run of great Jovich games. Now he looks so different than the last time he was in Miami. Uh, I know the road trip was obviously very important for him, but now he's come back and he's full of confidence. He's playing really well. So yeah, I do think that this is a great game for Miami's young guys between him and Jaime having those big moments in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think you got to feel good about it, which brings us to this next question from EJ Brooksy, who writes in. The only lineup that could hang with OKC was a starting lineup tonight. Swap Jaime with Jimmy. Is that our team? Yeah, I pointed this out to you, too. I, I think there's a possibility of that existing. Uh, and You kind of countered, well, that's not necessarily enough three-point shooting. We had a really good offensive game from Haywood tonight, but I don't know how consistent that's going to be. But this does look like the best that he's been since he's returned from injury. Um, you know, obviously a career high. That's kind of you, you can't expect that level of production. Can we go double jeopardy? New question right in the middle of this question. Of course. Major writes in, how does Highsmith threes change the offense? Haywood Highsmith, I, is, he made his first three pointer. You and I talk about this all the time. Oh, yeah. When he makes that first three pointer, it's a different Haywood Highsmith. Yeah. The confidence level goes high. He's like, I'm going to start making some layups now. Dunk, and all these, yeah, he had backdoor a, cuts. Like he was ridiculous. Like I mean, yeah. the three point shot. I mean, what was it? Five of seven. Like. That, <laughs> You're not going to get that kind of production from him every night. So no. I, I understand why there's excitement there. The, the, the defenses are, I think, again, you pointed this out, was pretty high, all things yeah. considered. He probably beat himself up that he didn't get come, any kind of clear stops. But overall, I think – I'll be excited to see the matchup data tomorrow. It's not going to look great, but yeah. uh, it might look great compared to other defenders against Shea. I don't know. So we're basically talking about Haywood playing the de facto – point guard position but he'll be in the starting lineup in that sense and then nico would be in there with basically jimmy taking over for where jaime Hawkins was in tonight's lineup so it would be haywood tyler jimmy nico and bam at a bio that's a big lineup and i think it's got enough offense there especially with nico kind of mm. juicing things a little bit with his transition opportunities but the three-point shooting is a problem so i think your concern is a legitimate one i think you probably still keep kyle on the in the starting lineup I really liked what I saw from Tyler tonight as a point guard to the point where yes. my takeaway, if they had won this game would have been is point Tyler, the way to go, right? If they had continued that flow that they had in the first half and that second half, I was like, maybe this is the way to go. When your point guard is a legitimate scoring threat in a way that Kyle Lowry just isn't, right. it does something to the offense. There was a play in the first half where Tyler hero was running one of the several pick and rolls that he ran with bam and bam is a lob threat. And Chet Holmgren understands that bam is Miami's best lob threat. So Chet backs up, to take away the lob and Tyler's like, oh, if you're backing up, I'm just going to pull up from right here and gets a floater. Lowry doesn't do that. Lowry throws that lob and maybe he make, maybe he completes it and that's great. But I love when, the, when, when your point guard is a, a legitimate scoring threat and also a it, playmaker and also a playmaker, it changes things. And so I, I couldn't, I would welcome a new starting lineup. I liked what we saw from here. 
I would take Highsmith out and put Jimmy Butler in that spot and leave Jaime in the starting lineup. So you'd have Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler as essentially your backcourt. Jaime Jaquez, Nikola Jovic, and Bam Adebayo. You want to talk about size? We got size. You want playmaking? Tyler, Jimmy, Bam, Nico, Jaime. All five of those guys are playmakers. All five of them can run your offense and initiate stuff. Um, and so defensively, Duncan, it's stout. Duncan, Kevin Love, Kyle Lowry. And Highsmith coming off the bench. And Caleb Martin, if he ever gets healthy. So That's not bad. That's that would be the bench there, <laughs> and arguably, like your five best players, are those your five, those might be your five best players starting. So, um, I I would love to see that going forward, and and I love the size. And Spolstra, I asked him about the starting lineup, and he's mentioned that he liked that size that they were playing with. Jovic stays in this starting lineup. I didn't know that they were going to go with Jovic against the Thunder. I thought he was kind of playing Jovic against some cupcake teams and some struggling teams just to kind of get him some run. But right. like the Thunder came in here as World beaters, they leave here as world beaters, and Jovic didn't blink. And I think it was a big game for him, and it was a big game for the Miami Heat for that reason. So tough loss, like you mentioned. Tough to kind of be up by 10, lose that lead, be down, climb back in it, have a chance to get it to a one-possession game late. Some questionable decision-making there at the end. But zoom out for a second, and I feel good about this game. I really do. We'll see if they they can continue building off whatever they established tonight. And who knows who's going to be in the lineup on Friday night. Although I do think Caleb Martin might be available. That's, you know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, you said he looked good uh, during pregame warm-ups. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, So we'll see how it shakes out. If they can continue building off of this and we'll see more of this offense generating on Friday against the Oklahoma, I'm sorry, the Orlando Magic. That's going to be a very difficult match. Another matchup. big team, too. Yes, another big team that runs and, and doesn't shoot well. We saw that recently in Miami's win over the Magic, but that should be an interesting mm-hmm. matchup for, my, for the Heat. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your podcast app. And every day is tune in tomorrow for our conversation with Ron Ned Carney of Sports Illustrated. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of Miami Heat topics. But for now, thanks for listening. 